actually. Good. We got the nicest email. Was it the one that you sent me? Yes. From uh, our friend across the pond. Is that oh, Jesus? Is, he's no? not going to listen anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> um, his name, because he said I could use it. Uh, uh-huh. He said I could use it when we do the Casey suggested, but I'm going to use it now anyway. Because okay. He'll probably like it. Uh, his name is George Oliver. George oh, Oliver? George. And I loved his email. I've read it a couple of times in a British accent. <laughs> or is it English accent? Or is it British? George, you tell me. I don't know what section he's from because there's like 10 different accents over there um but anyway george oliver i have to tell you this because um he appreciates me going into deep details and reading into court transcripts (laughs) george 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 (laughs) i think what he was trying to say was I think what he was trying to say is that cat. I was about to say my real name. That is fantastic. He thought your episode was fantastic, yeah. but he all he said I was very nice too. So we well, both like George. you know what we're gonna let George we're gonna let George write you back and decide who he likes he has, better. He also has a dog and he listens to us while he walks his dog. Oh, good. And while he gardens. Oh, that's a new one. Although I think a lot of people do that. Speaking of dogs, just super fast. My dog, one of my dogs has a cut on its ear at like the very tip uh-huh. and it's been bleeding and oh. she shakes her head a lot. Right. Oh, no. So this morning I woke up to blood splatter everywhere. It was on the bed. It was on the walls, like little pin drops of like blood splatter. So like I washed all the bedding, of what course, because blue on the cut. What? I know. No, you know what I did? I looked it up online. I did cornstarch. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Cornstarch took care of it. But I am telling you, I'm going to send you uh, one of the pictures I sent to Kyle this morning. But like I spent probably an hour cleaning the walls of like these little pin drops of blood. And as I was cleaning, I'm like, how? Like I got everything. I made sure I like looked over and I'm like, some of these motherfuckers that kill people, they can't like go over this with a fine tooth comb. I'm getting little like I, I saw like little little like in the crevices. I was getting all of it. So um, so, yeah, I, I kind of feel like if I ever murder somebody, I feel like you need to stop talking right now <laughs> because there's going to be some sort of entrapment. <laughs> And Kyle, I want you to write yourself a will right now. Kyle needs a in case I die file. <laughs> if I go access. missing. Yeah. In case. We, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Here we go. What so, do you got for me? I have a story for you. It is not a love story, sadly. This is actually... I mean, all my stories are pretty tragic, but this is actually in like when you look at the whole case as a whole, you're like, oh, there was a lot of bad luck here. And I think didn't we just do a case or you did a case where it was just like horrible luck, horrible timing. Oh, 
um, what's her face? Yeah, it was Peterson, Stacy, yeah, and Peterson. her whole life, her tragedy, and her family, and her family. This is kind of like that, and you won't understand it um, until we get to the second case I'm going to do, which is in relation to this case. But let me just get into this case, and then you'll you'll kind of see where I'm going in a second. But I'm going to tell you about Kenneth Parnell, and you know, those people who are just like super fantastic. They have a great personality. They have a loving heart. They like are all about people and helping others. This This isn't Kenneth. (laughs) This isn't (laughs) Kenneth Barnell. Not Kenneth. (laughs) Kenneth is the exact opposite. He's basically a piece of human trash. So yeah. I'm sorry, I could like, I could hear it in your voice. You know those people that are like everything that you love and want to be? Well, we're not going to talk about one of those today. You know those people that just light up a room? This is not one of those people. (laughs) Kenneth Parnell, he was born in 1931 in Texas to Cecile and um, Mary Olive. So, Cecile. You mean Cecil? Cecil. It was like, wow, well, they were advanced for their time, but I'm pretty sure this is a mother and father. Cecile. Yeah. Cecil? Cecil. How is it spelled? Because I can't see your notes. C E C I L. Yeah, Cecil. that's Cecil. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Cecil's dead, so he can't come after me. Um, he was born actually during the Dust Bowl, you know, that really like tragic like time in history that I read about when I was a little kid. And I'm like, the Dust Bowl, that yeah. sounds awful. Not only people were people poor, but they were dusty, too. I want nothing to do with it. Um, when he was six years old, his father, Cecil, abandoned the family and the mom decided she was going to take herself, Kenneth and two of his half-sisters to Bakersfield, California. Well, right from the start, Kenneth, it's not looking too good for him. He has a lot of mental health issues, and I think a lot of it his mom didn't really realize or didn't really take time to notice because, again, it was the 1930s, 1940s, and I think a lot of those things weren't really talked about, and they were pretty much kind of ignored and pushed off to the side, or you were sent to a mental institution, which kind of is what happened with Kenneth. So he spent much of his time basically in and out of mental institutions. He was a juvenile delinquent, like things just were not good. Um, Miraculously though, in 1950, at the age of 19, he did get married, which I'm not sure what she saw in him, but nevertheless, he got married. Uh, She got pregnant shortly after. And um, while she was pregnant, Kenneth said that he got bored and had to find, and I quote, another outlet. So instead of taking up bowling, instead of taking up gardening, he purchased a deputy sheriff's badge from an Army Navy surplus store and started to lure children with it. Uh, Yeah, because his wife is pregnant and he's bored. This is his outlet. Okay. In 1951, he was arrested for sodomizing a young boy and impersonating a police officer. Oh, my God. Maybe. (laughs) I have to stop you right now because how much 
horror against children is is like this going to be a bad like if people don't like that they probably shouldn't listen today thing i mean it happens but like that's like me saying there's a 50 percent chance of rain like aren't people just used to it by now right but i i feel bad about the stuff like involving kids because so many people like kids is their one thing they really can't handle i get it there i don't go into graphic detail Okay, but th- but I mean, but if, it exists. If Kenneth Parnell was looking for another outlet, and it was the the sodomizing of young boys, I think it's safe to assume that wasn't his only time he or last time he did it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, continue. So trigger warning and listen tr- with maybe. care. Yeah, you guys, it's me giving the episode. You it know is. what I look for. So, anywho, <laughs> trigger okay. warning. Keep going. Here you go. Okay. So he only spent four years in prison. For, for that? For that. Only four years. Yeah. Then in 1957, shortly after his release, um, his wife divorced him. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But Kenneth quickly found someone else to remarry. And that year he had another daughter. So he had a boy with his first wife and then a daughter with his second. Okay. Um, but he found himself back in prison uh, at this time for armed robbery in Utah. So, I mean, still another crime, but he found himself back in prison. And while he was serving that time, his second wife, I think she kind of like got with it a little bit. And she's like, maybe Kenneth isn't that great. So she divorced him, too. Um, eventually, once he got out of prison for the second time, he went to work at the Yosemite Lodge as a night auditor. Um, now someone says that he got married a third time, but there's no public record about that. So from this point on, Kenneth never actually marries again. Um, but he does have two children, which he never sees. So like once the wives left, he was kind of out of their lives as well. Honestly, the kids are probably better off with Oh, I mean, wait. Yeah. Yes. Um, so while he was working at Yosemite Lodge, he met another gentleman named Edwin Irvin Murphy. And Edwin Irvin Murphy was a 38-year-old night janitor at the lodge. Everyone said that Edwin was just kind of a really nice guy. He was he was a little too trusting and naive. They also kind of describe him, and I quote, as a simple-minded man. Oh, okay. And because of that, Edwin was easily manipulated by Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth told Edwin that he was an aspiring minister. And um, eventually, through like building a relationship with Edwin, he convinced him to help lure a child to abduct. So he told Edwin that he had his plan, that they were going to do God's work, that he needed Edwin's help that God called upon him to spiritually guide a young boy and to raise a child in a religious type deal. So he basically convinced Edwin that the only way I'm going to be able to do this is by you helping me take a child. And, um, and then that's how we will do God's work. Um, Unfortunately, Edwin believed everything he said. He ate it all up. And on the afternoon of December 4th, 1972, they did exactly that. Now, Parnell waited in his car close by and Edwin 
was passing out religious pamphlets to boys as they were walking home from school. And this is when they spotted seven-year-old Stephen Stainer. Have you heard of Stephen Stainer before? Um, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. There's actually been um, a movie based on Stephen Stainer and a lot of Dateline stuff. But here we go. Just to let you give you a little background on Stephen Stainer. Stephen was the third child born to Delbert and Kay Stainer in Merced, California, and they lived in a lower middle class area called Betty Street in Merced. Um, It was a big family, family of seven. Um, They had three girls and two boys. Stephen was the youngest of the two boys, and then he had an older brother named Carrie. Um, Now, I want you to remember the name Carrie Stainer, and that might actually sound familiar to you, but Carrie Stainer gets his own episode very soon. Um, But while the kids were growing up, it was said that um, the family was, was close, but they also had their own issues. Delbert was a mechanic at a peach factory peach can factory and Kay basically stayed home and she ran the household and raised the children but Kay was described as cold and distant from her children um, and people said that was because of her own growing up I guess her mom was kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and so she felt like the only way to raise children is not raise them in like a super emotional environment but just to just raise them be you're the mom you tell them what to eat what to wear how to act and that's it like I don't think there was a lot of affection in this family okay and Delbert there have been reports that Delbert Delbert molested his daughters at one time. And Mm -hmm. I think Kay, the mom, kind of turned an eye to that because she was also molested by her father growing up. So I think there were a lot of cycles in this family that the two parents of the Stainer household weren't exactly breaking. It sounds Um, like it, yeah. Yeah, but besides... Despite all of that, the children were very well behaved, um, very friendly, um, like really they were just good kids and everyone who knew the Stainer family felt like everything was fine. So back to that fateful day, Edwin sees Stephen Stainer walking home from school and he approaches them. And he told Stephen that he was a church representative and asked, you know, if um, his family would be willing to donate items to the church. Now, Stephen, who was described as very trusting um, and a very obviously naive, he's seven years old. He -hmm. was like, yeah, sure. My mom would totally like to donate. I think she would probably have things that she would love to donate to, to the church. So Edwin's like, cool. Can I give you a ride back to your house? And Stephen, unfortunately, accepted the ride, got into the white Buick with Edwin um, and Kenneth, who was driving the white Buick. Unfortunately, they did not take Stephen home. Instead, they took him to Kenneth's cabin in 
Kathy's Valley, which is actually 22 miles northwest of Merced. And it was later that they determined was only several hundred feet from his maternal grandmother's house. Oh, no. So it was right there. And, and, you know, I don't think Stephen obviously knew it at the time. He's seven years old, right? Yeah. Um, That very first night, Stephen was molested by Kenneth. And um, Stephen kept telling him that he wanted to go home. He wanted to go home. And Kenneth told Stephen that his parents didn't want him anymore because they could not afford all the children they had. And that he also made Stephen believe that his parents just gave custody to Kenneth. So basically, it was like brainwashing from day one. He just kept telling them, they don't want you. They don't want you. They gave me custody. They they know you're here. And he even told him, and because I have legal custody of you, I get to rename you. So um, I'm going to rename you Dennis Gregory Parnell. And he began referring to him by that name from day one. That is so weird. Yeah. And so this was just like a systematic, just brainwashing from the get-go. Edwin, who had done his job, you know, did God's work, got him a boy, kind of just went on his merry way, didn't even think twice about it, right? He's like, cool, I helped my friend get this boy, and now my friend's going to raise this boy and do God's work. I feel like I've done a good deed. So Edwin goes away. He has nothing to do with uh, what happens to Stephen later at all. Um, On day 13, Kenneth begins raping Stephen, and he was basically raped, sexually abused, beaten, given drugs and alcohol every single day from the first year of being held captive by Kenneth. First year. Yes, because unfortunately this goes on for years. Wow. And years. Um. Kenneth demanded from the get-go that Stephen refer to him as dad. And um, again, like, you know, a lot of people I think are going to look at this or really when they look at any case, I think people who don't know, you know, the deep psychological damage that someone can do virtually right away to somebody, especially a child that you steal, right? Yeah. Um, I I feel like a lot of people go, well, why didn't they escape? Why didn't they leave? Why didn't they do that? He was seven years old. He's seven years old. Exactly. But I mean, there are cases too where, you know, kids are older or, and then when you hear about how long Steven was there, um, it's, it's more like, well, why didn't he leave? Why didn't he go? And I think people don't really understand the whole uh, hostage mentality and just like, you know, for example, Elizabeth Smart, right? They would like take her around and she was paraded, you know, around town. They changed her name, much like Stephen. They brainwashed her. And, yeah. you know, she even had attended a party where she didn't ask for for help. Yeah. You know, or um, a really good example. Also, probably a better example, J.C. Dugard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who actually I really want to cover. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That one's that one's tough. Um, so 
They never stayed in one spot for too long. He shuttled Stephen from place to place uh, all over California. They were in Santa Rosa and in a lot of rural um, areas outside of Mendocino, California. They lived mostly in motels and trailer parks. And, you know, Stephen was passed off as, you know, Kenneth's son. And Kenneth was Stephen's father. And you know, he called him dad and Stephen or Kenneth called him Dennis. Um, he was actually able to enroll him in various schools as Dennis Parnell, um, which is amazing in itself. Right. Um, the beatings and the rape continued along with telling, you know, Stephen that his parents no longer wanted him. Um, I think to deal with this, Stephen began drinking more and more because remember Kenneth would give started giving alcohol giving him alcohol at seven when he first took him and and so I think Stephen realized oh this is a way to numb myself and so um he began drinking a lot from a very young age um in order to cope with everything that was going on with him Uh, after a few years, Kenneth lightened, you know, his vigilance over Stephen and kind of put his guard down a little bit and allowed him to come and go as he pleased. So like Stephen would go to school and he wouldn't tell anybody who he was and he would go back home to Kenneth and he would live this life as Dennis thinking in his mind, his parents do not want him. And this is the way life is. I mean, Kenneth even started leaving Stainer alone on the weekends while he worked remedial job after remedial job. And like the door wasn't locked, Stephen could have left at any point. But again, he was so brainwashed, so like under, like manipulated under yeah. all of this abuse. I that mean, his parents don't want him. So yeah, where is he going to go? Exactly. Um, and he was also something that Kenneth did to manipulate was he would shower him with gifts too. He would give him stuff all the time, anything he wanted, he would give him. And during this time, Stephen said that he did think about leaving, but he wasn't really sure how to do it. Oh, that's so sad. He like said at one point, I just didn't, I, I knew I wanted to leave. I didn't know how. I didn't know what the next step was. I didn't know where I would go or who I would tell. Because like you said, you just pointed out, my parents don't want me. So even if I go and tell somebody, I'm sure he was thinking, well, my parents are going to be like, well, we don't want them. So Yeah. And I mean, in his mind, all he has is this person who stole him away. Exactly. And he's he's confused by all the brainwashing, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so Kenneth's lies to Stephen were reinforced and, um, and they seemed valid for Stephen because in his mind, like we said, um, his parents would have found him if he, if they wanted to, that's what, that's another thing Kenneth would tell him. Listen, if your parents really wanted you, they would have found you already. Where are your parents? Where are your parents? Where are they? Like, I don't don't see them looking for you. Yeah, like they would, if they wanted you, they would have come and got you. You're not that far from home, right? Uh-huh. Um, and remember, I said he would give him gifts. He even gave Stephen a dog, um, which later Stephen says was the only bright kind of spot 
in that whole time, in that whole ordeal. Um, he got a little terrier named Queenie that actually, um, Kenneth got from his mother. And by the way, his mother had no idea that Kenneth even had a child living at his home. So that shows you kind of what that relationship was like. Uh-huh. When Stephen was around eight or nine, Kenneth actually had a girlfriend named Barbara Mathis, and she actually came to live with them for 18 months. Um, she 100% believed that Stephen was Kenneth's son, and she even joined in on the rape of Stephen on really? nine, yes, nine separate occasions when Stephen was nine years old. Which we is say awful. this all the time, but how the hell do these people find each other? I, I do not understand. I mean, monsters find monsters, right? Every every pot has its lid, I guess. I don't know. I guess, but I just don't understand I, how I, these people are drawn to each other. I know. Now, Stephen's getting older, and when a boy gets older, he starts looking less like a boy. And more mm-hmm. like a man, which for someone like Stephen um, starts unacceptable. to. unacceptable. Yeah, isn't acceptable. So um, Kenneth started to convince Barbara that, you know what, let's abduct a little boy. And Barbara, because she's a piece of trash like Kenneth and you know, obviously is fine with the rape of a child, was like, that sounds like something I want to do. So they attempted to abduct another boy with the same same thing. Kenneth would wait in the car and Barbara was going to be the one to lure the child into the car, but she it failed. She couldn't do it. She got cold feet. Um, they attempted. She fumbled. It wasn't good. Um, eventually they broke up after that. And because I mean, what, what use is Barbara to Kenneth if she can't steal a child? I guess. So as the years went by, Kenneth continued to psychologically just batter and beat down Steven. And that is on top of the sexual abuse and the manipulation and all of that. Um, so now Stephen was basically under his complete control and super submissive. Mm. But again, Stephen is getting older. So while this is great for Kenneth that he's super submissive and super under his control, he doesn't look like a freckled faced seven year old he did when he was kidnapped, you know, seven years before that. So he started losing interest in Stephen, and that made him more motivated than ever to get another young boy. At this point, Stephen is 14 years old, so he's been held by Kenneth for seven years. Half of his life. And he tells him, you know what? We're going to take another boy. So Barbara couldn't do it. You're going to do it. Stephen was completely unwilling and he went along with it. But then when it was time for him to actually grab a child and lure a child, he intentionally sabotaged it. And that was a bust. So he didn't get a boy. 
Kenneth was pissed. He's trying to figure out how am I going to get another boy? Because remember, Kenneth has everybody else do the luring for him. He's just the getaway driver. Um, so Kenneth decided, you know what? I'm going to ask one of your friends. So Kenneth asked one of Stephen's teenage friends, another 14-year-old named Sean Poorman. And he bribed Sean with drugs and money. Now, when Sean tried to back out, at first Sean was like, yeah, cool, this sounds fun, I'll do it. Um, But then when I think he probably got cold feet and tried to back out, uh, Kenneth threatened him. And Sean's a 14-year-old, so it worked. So Mm -hmm. while scouting for the next victim with Kenneth, that is when Sean spotted five-year-old Timothy White as he was walking home from school. Five years old. Mm -hmm. A little bit about Tiffany, Timothy. Timothy was born to James and Angela White in 1974. On February 14th, 1980, Timothy was playing outside of his family home. So like he was walking home and he almost gets home and he starts playing outside as kids do, right? Right. This was in Ukiah, California, which is the largest city in Mendocino County. As he did with Stephen, Kenneth was driving the car and his accomplice was supposed to lure the boy into the car. This time, the young, this young boy, Timothy White, he was not so easy to take. Uh, when Sean tried to grab Tif- Timothy and put him in the car, Tif- I keep calling him Tiffany. Timothy began running to get indoors. Like he started running towards his house. So Sean shoved him against a chain link fence that was on the sidewalk between the house and getting on the sidewalk and made him grabbed his hands to kind of make his fingers let go of the chain link and dragged Timothy White kicking and screaming into the car. Unfortunately, Any witnesses that were outside didn't even notice any of this. So once the deed was done, Kenneth paid off Sean and threatened, like, I'm going to kill you if you ever talk about this with anyone. And again, like he had done to Stephen, Kenneth went to work to brainwash Timothy. He actually began calling him Tommy. Um, He, day one, died Timothy's So Timothy had like super white blonde hair Mm -hmm. and he dyed it dark brown to help conceal his identity. Because at this point, once Timothy went missing, there were posters everywhere, everywhere, like instantly. And again, like Stephen, unfortunately, the abuse started from the first night on. Um, He, after a couple of days, he like kept telling Timothy that, you know, Stephen's your older brother, Stephen's your older brother, Stephen's your older brother. Um, And immediately Stephen formed a bond with Timothy. Yeah, Um, because he probably wants to protect him. Yeah, and and recognizing just the same pattern of lies that Kenneth was brainwashing Timothy with. He was Mm -hmm. like, I do not want another child to go through what I have been through in the past seven years. So because of that, After a couple of days with Timothy, Stephen began hatching a plan to escape with Timothy so he can get Timothy back to his parents because that's what he wanted to do. He felt like, I I just need to get this kid back with his parents. 
And that is exactly what he did. So just 16 days later, on March 1st, this is 16 days after they took Timothy White, 1980, Stephen waited till Kenneth left for his night security job. And then when it was safe, he woke up Timothy, gathered him up, and began hitchhiking with the five-year-old at night back to Ukiah. Wow. He's like, I just need to get this kid home. When Stephen wasn't able to find Timothy's house, like he kept asking Timothy, Where, do you live here? Do you live on the street? Do you recognize these Aww. places? Um, and when Timothy couldn't really tell him where, uh, he took Timothy to the nearest police station and he said, you go walk in and ask for help. I'm going to stay out here till you're safe, till you're inside the police station. Um, well, Timothy didn't really want to leave. Um, Steve. Uh, yeah, didn't want to leave Stephen. And so as they were outside, as like Stephen was trying to get Timothy, like, just go in, go into the police department, tell them, tell them you need help. Um, a police officer spotted them and he brought them both into the station. And Stephen immediately told police who Timothy was and that he had been abducted. Um, and then after more questioning, that is when he finally revealed to them who he was. Um, now I'm going to read an excerpt from, um, the statement taken, um, from his official police written statement that he gave to the police in the early morning hours of March 2nd. This was after they had gotten in and they were all settled. And so this is from his official written police statement. My name is Steven Stainer. I am 14 years of age. I don't know my true birth date, but I use April 18th, 1965. I know my first name is Stephen. I'm pretty sure my last is Stainer. And if I have a middle name, I don't know it. Isn't that heartbreaking? That's so sad. And you know, the way that he's reciting this, it sounds like this is like a mantra Mm-hmm. That he's had in his head this whole time uh-huh. that he just yeah. repeats to himself all the time. And it sounds like he's maybe lost pieces of it. Yeah. Oh, that is so sad. Isn't that sad? Um, and there's so the movie that was based on this story is Nate is called I Know My First Name is Steven. Oh, um, just in case this, anyone wants to look that up. This also reminds me of a Criminal Minds episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They probably you know, use that story. So on March 2nd, so the very next day after they like kind of figure out who these kids are and, um, and contact parents, Kenneth was arrested immediately and taken into custody because remember, Stephen was able to tell him where he was, where he worked, where he lived, Mm -hmm. all of that. And he was charged with two counts of kidnapping, both boys were returned to their families hours later. Um, for Timothy's parents, it was 16 days of torture that was put to an end. But for Stephen's parents, it was like seven years of just hell and anguish. Yeah. Right. In 1981, so just a year after his arrest, Kenneth Parnell was put on trial for the kidnapping of Stephen and Timothy. And obviously it was a quick trial. He was convicted for kidnapping both boys. And he was only sentenced to eight years in prison, which was the max allowed at the time. Really? But only ended up serving five of those years. How? 
I have no fucking idea, but that information infuriated me. Because mind you, this man was also in prison twice before that uh-huh. for lewd act with the child, right? And yes. then his armed robbery. And now he's kidnapping children. Not only that, but held one for seven years and then kidnapped another one for six. He spent less time in prison. Exactly. Than, than Stephen did with him. Yeah. In, in his fucking sick prison. Yeah. Right? So eight years was the max allowed at that time. He was I released. I don't understand. Yeah. He was released in 1985. And he was not initially charged with any sexual abuse charges till after the kidnapping conviction. But then the sexual abuse charges were dropped after an appeals court ruled that the statute of limitations had expired. No. Yeah. Yeah. So had he been charged, though, with any sexual abuse, it would not have added any time to his sentence. Really? Yeah. How? I have no idea because this this is how the law was working there in fucking the 80s. Oh, my God. Um, in 2003, when he was 72 years old, he was arrested again in his home in San Francisco, California, after an investigation led to charges of conspiracy to commit child stealing. So what happened was... Berkeley detectives at the time uncovered information that Parnell was trying to buy another child for the bargain price of $500. So a woman named Diane Stevens actually helped him or he, she didn't help him. She helped the police. But Diane Stevens would often make deliveries to Parnell's home. I'm not sure what she was delivering. In my mind, I think groceries, but I don't know. It could have been drugs. I have no idea. I, I mean, I'm hoping that it was yeah. something innocent. But... Yeah. But who knows? I mean, Diane Stevens turns out to be a pretty okay person, but this is what happens. $500 to buy a child. Yeah. So um, she was approached by Parnell with questions about wanting to purchase a young African-American boy. Uh, Diane Stevens immediately went to the police to report this, which good for fucking her. Uh, She cooperated with the police and they were able to set up a sting in which she was going to give Kenneth. She was going to meet with Kenneth again, give him a birth certificate for a child for one hundred dollars. And then later she was going to actually deliver a child for 400 more so this whole time kenneth like you know getting his money from the bank believing he was going to get a four-year-old boy um that never happened the police got him right he was sentenced to 25 years to life under the now three strikes law so he had his 1950 sodomy charge his 1981 double kidnapping charge um not to mention armed robbery and now this so uh he was sentenced to 25 years to life he claimed later in an interview that he had no intention of harming the boy that he was going to buy that that Kenneth only wanted to experience the love and respect that a son has for a father. No. Yeah. Listeners can't see my face, but like. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, Kenneth, thank you. Um, 
in uh, the- I, I have never heard such bullshit before. Yeah, exactly. Like I was I'm thinking like when Kenneth is saying this, like, does he really think someone's gonna go, that makes total fucking sense, Ken? Yes, of oh, course you wanted to feel geez. that. Yeah. Like, who doesn't wanna feel a child's love? Man. Yeah, I, well, I got you. Yeah, let me go get you one. Um, let me go get you one. <laughs> let me just let me just I'll go right to the back. vending machine. I'll be right back. I'll just go grab you a child right now, so you could feel that love and respect, oh asshole. Um, now, prior to that, Parnell never took responsibility for actually kidnapping Stephen and Timothy, and as a matter of fact, he refused to use the word kidnapping. He said he was only taking in the boys that's how he referred to it i was taking like an adoption or a fostering situation taking in those boys that had been abandoned by their families now fortunately in 2008 kenneth parnell died at a state prison hospital in vacaville california he was 76 years old they said he died of natural causes i know he was on hospice for a couple of months before that in the state prison so i just really hope he was uncomfortable and died a horrible 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 long just agonizing death just dying um now just so you know too barbara she ended up being charged with a conspiracy and um rape of a child so she served a couple of years in prison as well um edwin was also charged with um kidnapping and aiding um to kidnap a child and so he served a couple of years i think it was a minimal like two, three years, uh, because he, you know, it was Edwin. He was just like, yeah, I did it. And this is why I did it. And so he worked with the, the, uh, prosecutors. So he ended up doing some time and Sean Poorman, the 14 year old that, uh, he bribed with drugs and alcohol to help lure another child, which Mm -hmm. he was the one that took Timothy White. He also was charged and served some time too. Now, unfortunately, do you know how much time? Uh, it was like two, two years, two, three years minimum. Yeah, it wasn't okay. a lot. So his, I understand that his would not be a, a lot because one, he's a minor. Mm. Two, he was really an accessory. I mean, yeah. he did the kidnapping, but he was also, I mean, he was bribed into it. So, I mean, he's, he's still culpable, but not as much. But listen, he served half the time. Yeah. It, yeah. Of, of a full grown ass man. Yeah. And I mean, I know this is like, it, it's infuriating and things are about to get uh, super sad. <laughs> so. Well, so unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, when Stephen went home, uh, returning to his life just it wasn't good oh um yeah just the emotional and mental imprisonment that he suffered for seven years um it would he had trouble just kind of re-entering life right Mm -hmm. um he had trouble adjusting to a household with rules and structure when he was returned to his parents 
um, because when he was with his captor and his abuser, he was able to smoke, drink, and do as he pleased. He had like, free reign. He was yeah. alone all the time. Yeah. Kenneth let him do whatever he want. And so this was very difficult for his parents. You know, the last time they saw him, he was an innocent seven-year-old. And now he was this man with like demons and addictions, right? And no fault of his own. Um, his relationship with his father was very strained upon his return. Um, Stephen did do counseling, but just only for a little bit um, and never sought additional treatment for all the like, you know, just kind of going through all the sexual abuse that he went through, mm-hmm. um, mainly because his father didn't think he needed it. I think that part of the sexual abuse kind of hit home for dad because I think dad realized what he was doing to kids too and what was being done to Steven. And so I think it was a, let's note that's not happening. Um, no one has problems. I don't have problems. You don't have problems. We're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Um, they spent the few first months struggling and, you know, like bumping heads over rules and trying to kind of reteach him their way of life. Mm-hmm. And in an interview, Stephen later said that once his parents realized who he was when he had returned and stopped trying to turn him into the boy he was when he left, things got a little bit better. Okay. In a Newsweek interview, he was quoted as saying about his return, and I quote, everything has changed. Sometimes I blame myself. I don't know sometimes if I should have come home. Would I have been better off if I didn't? which is super sad. Mm -hmm. Um, He did return to school as Steven Stainer again, and that was also shitty because kids are shitty too. Um, Not Steven, other kids. Uh, Because of the publicity of the kidnapping and the return, everybody knew who Steven was, obviously. And so kids, because like I said, they're little shit fucks, uh, he, he was bullied for being molested, and so he had no choice but to drop out of high school. Uh, once he dropped out, he began drinking a lot more, and eventually he was kicked out of his parents' house. Now, despite all of this, Stephen was just looking for happiness and love and was trying to like continue and move on with his life, uh, despite just how monumental and huge that task seems, especially going through what he went through. Um, but in 1985, he married a 17 year old named Jody Edmondson and they went on to have two children. He worked with child abduction groups and spoke to children about safety, about personal safety and kidnapping dangers. So that was awesome. Um, he actually became a member of the Latter-day Saints church. Um, yeah. So he became Mormon and worked at a local pizza shop in Merced. Uh, sadly though, on September 16th, 1989, Stephen was in a horrific motorcycle accident on the way home from work. And the person who hit Stephen fled the scene, but thankfully was later identified and captured by the help of witnesses. But all the injuries and the head injuries that he sustained were fatal. And he died at the age of 24 leaving behind his wife and his two children. That is really sad. Want to hear something even worse? Oh, it gets worse. Timothy White served as one of his pallbearers. (gasps) Oh, just ruined me. Okay. 
Isn't that awful, though, that he lived a life like that? Like, yeah. I mean, uh, that... To me, uh, when I was looking at this case, I kept thinking about the butterfly effect, you know, oh, like, okay. like, just like, what if he hadn't been kidnapped? Right. What if? And then like, uh, it's just OK. Anyways, so tragically, that's what happened um, with Stephen um, afterwards. And with Timothy White, I mean, depending on how you look at it it didn't go much better. Now, right after Timothy White was returned to his parents, they did not stay in Ukiah for very long after that, which obviously I would want to leave Ukiah too, right? Mm -hmm. Like once my kid got back. And remember, Timothy was only gone for 16 days. Not that that justifies anything or makes the situation, you know, any better or any worse, but, you know, thanks to Stephen Stainer, he he wasn't there very long and Timothy and his family forever remained grateful to Stephen Stainer. Um, after that, Timothy spoke fondly of the great care that Stephen took of him in those days, um, that he was with Kenneth Parnell and just talked about how Stephen helped him, protected him and obviously took him back to his parents. And that was something that his parents and Timothy um, never forgot about. Uh, the boys kept in touch through the years. When he got older, Timothy also gave lectures to children about his experience and dangers of kidnapping, much like Stephen did um, for a little bit. As he got older, Timothy White worked as a contractor in Southern California. And then in 2005, he joined the L.A. Sheriff's Deputy um, Department. And so he was a sheriff for a while. He lived. Okay. Yeah, which is awesome. He lived in Pine Mountain, California with his I wife. I mean, L.A. Y yeah, but, but still, I mean. But good intentions. He's well, trying to. Yeah. He's trying to protect people. Exactly. Especially everything that he went through. And I I like to think, too, that was a little bit of Stephen's doing, too. Stephen protected him. And so now he's giving back as well. Yeah. Um. He lived in Pine Mountain, like I said, with his wife, Dina. And they had two children. And then, unfortunately, on April 1st, 2010, when oh, Timothy. Oh, come on. I know. I am so sorry. <laughs> When Timothy was only 35 years old, he died as a result of a pulmonary embolism. Oh, so no. nobody saw that coming. Yeah, just a, a freak health thing. Yeah, yeah. And the the L.A. Sheriff's Department, they were all super sad. They said that Timothy was a great um, sheriff's deputy and, like, his wife, his children, co-workers friends family just talked about what uh, a great a great guy he was he actually um had testified in um one of kenneth parnell's trials i think it was when he was arrested in san francisco for soliciting or trying to buy a child um and had no problem coming face to face with kenneth and you know just talking about because uh, I think they were just trying to prove what a danger Kenneth Parnell was, obviously. Yeah. And so um, he did that. He was just a, a great guy. He went through this horrible, you know, time in his life when he was five years old and just 
you know, how it can go either way. Right. And he was, he just came out on the other side and unfortunately died super young. Um, On August 28th, 2010, a statue of Stainer and White was dedicated in Applegate Park in Merced. Um, The residents of Ukiah also put a statue up representing Stainer and White escaping hand in hand. So there's this statue. Oh my gosh. When I saw it, it actually brought a tear to my cold, cold heart. Um, but it was, it's this bronze statue and it's this like older boy holding the hand of a younger boy. And they're oh just my like, God. yeah, they're just like, are you going to post a photo of it? <laughs> yes, I will. I that I have a photo of that for the Instagram and, um, I have pictures of the human trash bag and I have pictures of, Timothy I don't care about and... him. I just want to <laughs> see the, I, I know. see the statue. I know it's like, it's, it's a lot. So, um, that's Kenneth Parnell and the horrible things that he did to these two little boys. And then just the tragedy that, I mean, I I'm thankful that, you know, obviously Stephen found happiness. He got married, had children, Timothy found happiness, you know, fulfilled, a career that he really wanted and mm-hmm. had a wife and had children, but it's just like, it's so shitty yeah, that they're both of their lives were cut short. And when they have this, uh, I don't know, it's, it's really sad. So yeah, it's, it's almost like cruel. Yeah. Very that, cruel. That, I mean, karma is supposed to work the other way. I know. I know. And hopefully they got reincarnated as like, I don't, I don't even know. As like just wonderful people or wonderful animals. I don't know. Like the fattest little wiener dog that a (laughs) granny has ever spoiled. That's, that's what they deserve. Oh man. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I kind of foreshadowed it a little bit but you know Stephen Stainer he he comes out a hero in all of this um and unfortunately in my next episode that I do you're going to hear about Carrie Stainer his older brother who isn't didn't turn out like his brother and again I bring up the butterfly effect and what could have happened had certain things not happened in your life but um we'll visit that when it's my turn next with uh carrie stainer so stay tuned for that yeah and just um to be clear next week i will present something and then the week after we will Mm -hmm. talk about carrie stainer Mm -hmm. um but get ready buckle up yeah Mm -hmm. i haven't even decided what i'm doing next week yeah Jeez. Hey, did you hear about the, um, I know we're still recording, but the, um, that one killer, that one serial killer that they just, um, the shopping cart, the killer? shopping cart. I was like, and then every picture I saw was a target shopping yeah, cart. Target and shopping. I'm like, I know um, like the, okay. The first article I saw, I was like, okay, this has to be like from the onion or something. Honestly. Yeah. And then I saw more and more and I was like, oh, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, okay. 
I I feel like it's it's a running joke in true crime that like we need to stop giving serial killers cool names and i think that they're finally listening like who wants to be the fucking shopping cart killer exactly. i don't want to be the shopping I don't cart killer be the shopping cart shopping shopping cart killer i'm i'm go- like and like don't bring target down like that what I are know. you doing i know but um yeah we have the dumb shit shopping cart man i feel like there was something else recently too uh but i can't remember what it was well, there's that. Isn't that so sad that Timothy was his pallbearer? Yes, because like, like he he. Hold like, on, listen, listen. Here's an image, just really quick for you. Oh. He led Timothy White to safety. That is carried exactly him what... to safety, yes. and now Timothy White carried him. Him to oh, like stop it. That's what I was thinking. I was <laughs> yeah. like, it's Stephen. Stephen took care of Timothy, and now Timothy's taking care of I know, of and now they're both together up in heaven taking care of each other. Oh, my uh. God. I can't. <laughs> like, I mean, help me. Like, understand help me. that. Help me understand that. Well, uh. like, stupid, dumb shit, fuckface man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, wait, hold on. You're gonna love me even more in like two seconds. Oh no! Um, as if you don't love me enough already. Here we go. Get ready. Oh my god! And they don't even look like there's any trauma. They. Just I know like they look t- happy. It honestly, it looks like an older brother with a young, just like bonding. I They're know. so fucking cute. I know. And wasn't Stephen Stainer cute? Yes, he's an attractive young man. Yes. So, so sad. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, all of you can look at these pictures uh, when we post them because I can't with this. Just ruin my week. I know. And um, ruin everyone else's week. Everyone else. You know what? I feel for all of you. Kat doesn't care about us. (laughs) But... But there you go. There you go. Man, oh. all right. Um I'll I'll give you all a a nice solid week to recover from that and then you know what? I'll ruin you next week. <laughs> and then I'll ruin you the week I actually no, I probably won't ruin you the week after that. But um I am going to ruin you with some uh some other things soon. <laughs> Okay. So look forward to emotional destruction. <laughs> you know what? You warned us. 2022. That's that's right. That's I told you. I told you what was coming for you. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, Anyways, okay. Gird your loins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for George. For George. <laughs> And see, because of that, George is going to be like, I enjoy cat. <laughs> we, we're we vying for George's favor now, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, we enjoy will that. see all of you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> cat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, 
so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week.